everybody. My name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode six of the show, where we are starting off our July 1962 coverage with a Journey into Mystery 84. And you'll probably hear us talk about The Incredible Hulk number three later in the episode, and maybe even another comic if we can squeeze it in. So, um, you know, we, we do this thing where we just kind of like recap off the top of our heads. So and it's your turn. It's my turn. Um, thankfully, thankfully. All right. I don't even have the cover in front of me. Uh, Journey into Mystery 84 has this idea where there's this European country called San Diablo, I think. And they, um, the dictator in charge is a terrible, horrible person. So they're going to send some medical relief over. Um, so Dr. Don Blake is one of those that volunteers to go over there. Now his nurse, Jane Foster, whom we meet in this issue, um, doesn't want him to go alone because she kind of has the hots for him in her secret mind. And he has the hots for her too in his secret mind, but neither one's going to say anything. She doesn't want to be presumptuous. And he's like, a woman couldn't love a lame man. I mean, whenever I was in school, I knew I was lame too. (laughs) So I get you, Don. I understand. (sighs) Anyways, uh, they go over to San Diablo stuff happens on the way. Oh yeah, their boat gets attacked because um the person in charge is that Comrade X? It's not Comrade X, that's the Ant-Man story. The executioner, right? Yes. The executioner, who's in charge of San Diablo, not that executioner with the helmet and stuff. This is just a random dude. Uh he does not want the medical aid coming in because sick people are easier to control. So he attacks their boat. Don Blake has the reason to turn into Thor. Jane Foster sees Thor and is like, oh, a Mayan. And um, <laughs> now she has her eyes only for Thor and thinks that Don Blake is kind of a loser. Anyways, they get to San Diablo. Stuff happens. They get captured. I think the executioner wants to marry Jane Foster, I think. And again, Mary is a euphemism. He wants to take Jane Foster back to his executioner pad and show her the executioner cave and the execution jet and um anyways sorry i got distracted thor's have a nut of this so um don loses his staff has to go through some shenanigans to get his staff back turns into thor and was like oh my gosh where did dr blake go now it's thor oh my gosh how did that happen and thor beats them all up and um i think he puts the executioner like in front of the masses and the masses have at him. Um, cause he's that a terrible right. person. Yeah. There's a firing squad and somewhere in there, like where they actually shot people in the comic just off panel. You heard the sound effects. It's kind of dark. Anyways. So, um, executioner gets executionized and Blake and Foster return back to New York. I think that's Yay. basically it. Yay. Okay. I think you're right. But you know, honestly, I'm glad I didn't have to summarize that. So, because I'm, I'm not sure if you're right. <laughs> <laughs> We've been saying we'll get through as many comics as we can in an hour. Um, I think this might be the first episode where we just like go through a bunch of comics because um, this is a bad month. Yeah this this is a comic that makes me just you know want to talk about it quickly and move on to the next thing. But I actually do have a few points to make. Um, yeah. So the cover lied to me and made me sad. Why did it lie to you? The Mighty Thor, captured by 
the executioner. And I thought, ooh, that really cool Thor villain <laughs> that I'd like that I'd like to know more about and read the first appearance of. And then I looked at the cover again and thought, no, they probably mean that guy who's saying ready aim fire. Right. So that we're was probably sad. twenty issues away from the executioner. Yeah. I knew that was too good to be true. Um although once he appears in Thor, he he's mainly a Avengers villain for a long time. Yeah. Until he like dies in Thor. But that's another story. Have you read the Walt Simonson run of Thor? I've read a little bit. Um yeah, like I said, I like Thor more for the Avengers, so it'll be interesting to read his solo stuff and get some of the mythology that we kind of take for granted. Eventually. <laughs> yeah, eventually. Thor is a really good Avenger, especially his early years. Thor is a much better Avenger than he is a solo. Yeah. Okay, San Diablo means Saint Devil. Uh-huh. So, yeah. I like the way you say it. It makes me think of Anchorman. San Diego. <laughs> it is a whale's vagina. <laughs> it means whale's vagina. I don't think that's right. Yeah. Oh, it is. Oh, it is. We're really in Rome now. So they, like, completely set up, as you already summarized, they completely set up the Jane Foster, uh, Donald Blake, Thor triangle, all of Superman, Lois Lane. Yes. Uh, so here we are, last episode, talking about how great it is that Stan Lee is really turning secret identities on its head. And then he kind of goes to this classic been there, done that scenario where the girlfriend thinks the superhero is hot and the secret identity thinks the girlfriend er, is hot. And I guess the superhero thinks the secret identity is hot. I don't know. However, that triangle works. <laughs> <laughs> Thor really wants to get down with Don Blake. <laughs> yeah. So. I care not I that, that thou art lame, young doctor. That was kind of disappointing. I sort of hate when, like, the women who supposedly like these secret identities always have these thought bubbles of, why can't he be a real man like so-and-so? It's like, how would you say that about someone you supposedly like? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just very 60s, I guess. 40s, yeah. 50s, 60s. Um, this is another commie bastard plot. So that's like three now. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Give me Hulk, the aliens back. Ant-Man and uh, Thor. Yeah. Um, not liking the commie. Not liking the commie plots. He turns his hammer into an actual uh, vortex, which is great. Amazing. Um, I like it more than the like dimensional warping he does with it later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the art when he spins that thing is really cool. Like, oh, yeah. He really yeah. gets his arm into it and everything. This is a great page. And then he's like splitting the planes in half and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the art in this is actually a lot – I like it a lot more than what we had in 83. Yeah. Yeah, there's less awkward poses. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of wonder if some of that has to do with his costume because I've always been found his costume problematic. And like it feels like you're either really good at drawing it or you're not good at drawing it. And I don't know if other artists come across it and go, God, what is with this stupid helmet and these shoulder pads and these equal-sized discs that are on different parts of his body so they can't be equal-sized discs? Right. Uh, it's just weird. I do love the helmet, though. I love Thor's hat. And he wore it yeah. for five minutes in the first Thor movie and hasn't put it on since. Yeah. And I do not count that arena fighting ripoff uh, hat. I was just going to bring that up. Okay, we can't count that. I mean, unless you want – do you like that? I mean, it's not bad. It's just not, uh, it's not, the, it's not the real one. No. No, it's not the real one. So, yeah, it shouldn't count. Okay. I thought it looked cool, but it wasn't his outfit. Um. When I was tweeting about reading the Hank Pym comic we covered last episode, I called it his cool science hat. And I really meant to call it a cool science hat in the conversation. 
and now that opportunity is lost forever. Well, so, retcon. Yeah. We do have two cool hats going on here. Um, page seven, panel five. Ugh. Jane is like, he was so, so handsome. And I'm just like, yeah. um, Jane, no wonder that Natalie Portman got tired of playing you. <laughs> and she's saying that. She's not thinking it. And he's standing right there. Right. So, so much for uh, her interest in him already. Um, I mentioned the firing squad in the, in the synopsis. But yeah, um, there's a firing squad in this comic, which I'm not bothered by. But I think it's really funny in light of the fact that somebody got their underwear in a twist this week about how eating a porg on Star Wars was inappropriate for children. Wow, really? I didn't see that. Yeah. When did they eat one? Oh, he cooked it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's this thing where you like, look at the porg, he's like, oh, I don't want to be eaten. And then, like, cuts the fire and he's being eaten. Well, it actually makes sense that we're more PC now than we were in the 60s, actually, because that's just the way it works. I think people just like to ignore the fact that we eat animals. Animals eat animals, and we are animals that eat animals. Yeah, and we also have firing squads. That's yeah. just the way it is. Um, he does two stamps to turn into Thor and back to Don Blake real fast. No, no, no. He does it to create a thunderstorm. Okay. And I can't remember what the what we decided the rule was last time we talked about him. So is he is he is he being consistent or is he making stuff up? I think he's being consistent. Interestingly, though, he's not Thor right now. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that was interesting. Apparently, he can use the power of Thor without actually turning into Thor. Use it which through is a walking act- stick. That's quite handy. Uh, but I am kind of tired already, and I'll be tired more later, maybe next episode, or if we get to it this episode, of the, um, you know, I can't, re- I can't reveal my secret identity thing. Mm-hmm. Like, we haven't had that for a while. I mean, kind of with the Hulk, but really, he just changes in front of people and they don't get that he's the Hulk. They haven't really done the, if I turn into the Hulk right now, she'll know, blah, blah, blah. And with Thor, I guess the full-blown superhero, the first one we've had, it's like, this whole story, not only is he kicking butt and taking names, but there's always some way he has to get around people knowing that he's changed. Yeah, and it's he really, can change. And it's just monotonous. It's really bad on the transition from page 11 to page 12. Page 11, Don yeah. Blake is there. He, ha- he he takes the walking stick. Page 12, there's a flash of light and Thor's there. And they're like, the Yankee is gone. He's escaped. And it's just like, no, he's right. Remember how Gargoyle figured out the Hulk was Bruce Banner in two seconds? Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't even see him change. So, but Gargoyle was brilliant. Um, was so brilliant. you're so not... Synopsis was a little wrong. Thor didn't brutally make the guy stand in a firing line. The dude tried to steal money and run, and his people didn't like that, so they gunned him down. Oh, yeah. But it's all like, yay, Americans. The Americans are truly our friends, like the gargoyle. I want to be an American. I want to be a man. I'm going to die this way. And Mm -hmm. um, Americans are the only moral people. And And he he makes a volcano erupt by shooting it with lightning, so that's another power. And that took four stamps. That's four stamps. We hadn't heard had four yet, which is like a double yes. <laughs> I mean, no. One beep for yes, two beeps for no. So four beeps is double no, and a double negative is yes. So um, he should just turn him back into Don Blake. That's all that should happen. Have you ever had to double click a mouse and you do it too slow and it acts like a single click? Yes, all the freaking time. <laughs> so what, what if what if he does that with the hammer? Whoops. Whoops. Clip, tap. <laughs> Tap. Anyway, 
So yeah, Jane that, liked that, the doctor at the beginning of the story and doesn't like him at the end of the story. I know. That makes me not like Jane very much. Right. So, oh, well. I don't really and have much to say about this. Was that was was that it? Was that our in-depth synopsis and analysis of <laughs> Journey to Mystery 84? Yes, I think so. Okay. Are we ever going to see the executioner again? He got executed. No, he, he, he's dead. Wrapped in yeah. plastic. Yeah, so between aliens and commies, I'll take aliens so far. Um, I really don't like the commie ones, but maybe it's just because it makes me feel more uncomfortable for some reason. Yeah. Aliens aren't real, so you can make them be whatever you want. Whereas the commie thing, it's like, are you still characterizing them in a bad way like you did in World War II? It's obviously less less uh, obvious, but still, there's just something a little icky about it. Mm-hmm. But whatever. Well, that takes us to The Incredible Hulk yeah. number three, which was also released on July 3rd. Actually, can we talk more about communism for like an hour? Because I just don't want to summarize this issue. <laughs> really? <sighs> this one's convoluted, man. Okay, yes. There are there are multiple plots. Like, it should be split so, up into separate stories, but instead of split up Right? Okay, so bear with me, people, as my brain tries to untangle this mess that it's been woven into in my thoughts okay so hulk 2 ended last panel we had the hulk inside his little capture cage that he that bruce banner and rick jones made for the hulk to hang out in at night so he doesn't kill anybody and we open directly from that panel so no time has passed um or maybe time has passed and it's just a different day i never thought about that but anyway i, I have uh, the exact same thought process it feels like it's the yeah. exact same time but they could have been living this way for a while now. For months, yeah. I'm already contradicting myself. But anyway, we start with the Hulk in there trying to get out, and he can't. And Rick's like, okay, looks like he's in for the night. I'm going to go get some shut-eye. And walks out into the desert to find troopers looking for him. Troopers take him back to General Ross. General Ross tells him this sad, sad story about how they're trying to test a new American missile but nobody could survive the test but the Hulk. So, Rick, we know you have a connection to the Hulk. If you're a patriotic young man, would you please lure the Hulk inside the missile? And, of course, Rick is no commie, right? So he goes back to get the Hulk just as the Hulk escapes from this imprisonment that he's not supposed to escape from. So that shows you how strong the Hulk is. And the Hulk is mad at Rick for putting him in there. So he starts chasing Rick, which is perfect because that's what Rick wants. And Rick runs to the missile and sort of does like this last minute dodge to make it look like he went in, but he really didn't. And the Hulk jumps into the missile and they shoot the missile off and into space, which of course exposes the Hulk to the sun. And he turns to Bruce Banner. And then Rick overhears the real plot which is that General Ross just wanted to put the Hulk in that missile so that he could shoot it into space and, like, I guess leave it up there or make it crash land somewhere. I can't remember. But either way, get rid of the Hulk. It wasn't about being patriotic at all. So Rick is like, hey, and he goes and finds a, uh, a radio control device or something that controls the missile. And while he's playing with that to get the missile to land back on Earth – the missile goes through the same cosmic rays that turn the Fantastic Four into the Fantastic Four. I totally made that up, but it looks like that. And the exact same thought, so you're, you're on it. And those rays somehow connect to the radio signal that Rick is playing with, and so it hits him too. And the missile crashes, 
And the Hulk comes out again because now it's nighttime again. And Rick goes to meet the Hulk. And the Hulk's mad still. And he's about to kill Rick when Rick says, stop. And the Hulk stops. Turns out, after this this exposure to this cosmic ray, now Rick can control the Hulk. So he tests it out a little bit, you know, raise your right hand, all that stuff. Then he takes him to the – he has like a cabin in the in the desert or something. He hangs out there, but he goes to sleep. When he wakes up, Hulk gone. Hulk went to the nearest town, started destroying it. Rick says, hey, stop. Turns out Rick can only control him when he's awake. So he puts Rick – or he puts the Hulk back into the containment unit and tries to stay awake all night. Um, then for some reason visits his grandma for like a second or his aunt or something. And then while he's visiting her, he sees that there's a circus in town. Now this circus we've already seen has been going around pilfering the communities that it goes through all these small towns. It's run by a guy named the ringmaster and the ringmaster has a hat that lets him like hypnotize everybody. And when he hypnotizes them, they like steal the jewelry of the people who go to the circus. And then they also go into the town itself and steal it all. The FBI are after this guy. So all these people are converging. There's Rick. There's the FBI. They all converge onto this uh, circus. And the ringmaster tries to pull it again and tries to, like, you know, hypnotize everybody. But before Rick goes under hypnosis, he screams out in his mind, Hulk, help me, which apparently works. Not only can he control the Hulk, but he can, like, control him from a distance because the Hulk decides he needs to save the boy runs across the desert goes in there starts beating up on the circus um, can't remember exactly what happened oh he he like once Rick is a, is hypnotized though he's like essentially asleep or something I can't remember like somehow the Hulk is now not functioning anymore so he's just sitting there and they chain him up and all that but then Rick wakes up or something and he frees himself and the FBI show up um and arrests the ringmaster, and Rick jumps on the back of the Hulk and tells him to vamoose just as General Ross and the army come in to try and capture the Hulk. And the last panel is like the Hulk jumping so well and so awesome that it looks like he's flying away. The end. Just to clarify that point at the end, he wasn't asleep. So he didn't, the Hulk wasn't free from his control, but he was hypnotized, so he wasn't giving oh. any commands. Right. So the Hulk was just sitting there like a statue. Right. And the ringmaster, you know, uh, chained him up and stuff. I don't know. I, for what purpose? Just to put him on display, I guess, or something. I think so, yeah, to show him in the uh, show him in the circus. Even though everybody in the circus was hypnotized and were now his enemy. But whatever. Anyway. Yeah, so that was that issue. Um, and it's not, I was just looking ahead, it's not to show him. They were just binding him because they thought that, you know, they could. Um, yeah. And they're moving on to the next town. So they do have the Hulk on display in the next uh, town of the next circus. So the FBI actually go. follows them to the next town where oh. uh, they're able to catch up and, and not the FBI, the army. But anyways, so yeah, this is... Um, All over the place. Yeah, this definitely feels like two different stories with an origin recap sandwiched in between. But it's structured as a part one, two, and three of a single story. Uh, next issue, we are going to have two distinct stories with separate titles, pages, and credits, and everything else. Um, so, what's the word? I'm looking for a word here. Like when you when you know when you put baby in the corner, uh, nobody puts baby in the corner, right? There must be a word for that. But anyway, my point being, it seems like every issue of the Hulk is putting the Hulk in a corner because this, this is definitely one, Rick Jones' man of action. This issue, isn't it? Well, even Rick doesn't do anything. But like now, the Hulk is brain controlled by Rick. Before that, you know. 
now there's no even Bruce Banner in this issue. It uh, makes other me than wish briefly. we had like a Bible for the Hulk to see exactly what's going on in Stan's head. Yeah. But I can see why these first six issues get canceled. Right. Or why this title gets canceled after six issues. Because like as exciting as the Hulk is, if you think about it, in issue one he did nothing, in issue two he does nothing. And now this one, he's not even his own person. He's just an automaton run by Rick Jones. Yep. Um, and there's like one panel of Bruce Banner that's not flashback. So Yeah, this is issue three, yeah. so we're halfway through the original run. It's been four months since the first issue. The gap yeah. between now and four is the halfway point of the run. And um, at some point in the next issue or two, they're going to realize that, yeah, the Hulk's not really working too well. Yep. And you and I think about the Hulk as, sure, he has troubles, you know, figuring out why he wants to do stuff and what he wants to do. But he's definitely his own agent. And it's weird how much he's the pro- he's like in the way of the story rather than part of the story. Yeah. Or at the very least, he's a fun uh, gun that you can point in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You know, and now it's like he's just in the way. He doesn't take care of aliens that attack the world. Bruce Banner does, you know, or uh, he doesn't fix the gargoyles problems. Bruce Banner does. In this issue, he helps Rick escape, but mostly because of Rick. Yeah, there's not a lot of Bruce Banner in this, but Rick Jones is driving the Hulk. Yeah. Um, I always like one thing I do like about this particular issue is that it this exact plot of part one is kind of recapped later with the Illuminati. Like, this is Planet Hulk and World War Hulk. They they launch a Hulk into space because they're tired of him. Oh, yeah. And he comes back pissed. What a what a dummy Rick is, though. Like, that doesn't even make sense. Well, it's weird because they, they play on his patriotism, which is like, but, this is 1962. You know, that's you can't get away with that sort of move anymore. Yeah, in about five years, he would be anti-army, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, the youth would be, anyway. But, like, like... If he thought about it for a second, how does putting the Hulk in this rocket test anything? Because if only the Hulk can survive it, then the rocket's no good. Uh, and why me. do you need why do you need Hulk? Actually, it's not even a rocket; it's a missile. Why do you need Hulk in a missile? Why does Don't somebody missiles- have to survive being inside that missile? You're right. <laughs> and why does somebody have to be the Hulk, the most one of a kind creature on the planet? You know, like there's no that's no good. It's like in the Strange Tales issue we're going to talk about uh, next episode, or, or maybe at the end of this episode if we have time, um, where they run a roller coaster to test to make sure it's okay, and there's a guy in it. And like, yeah. if it's not okay, why is that guy in it? Yeah. They run roller coasters empty. Right. Because the physics of up and down is the same, regardless of your mass. Yeah. Um, well, it's guys like you that ruin the whole uh, roller coasting testing profession, but Okay. <laughs> So, have they ever said what desert they live in? We have not had a location established at all that I can remember. Because now his cage is underwater. Oh, it was underwater last time. Okay. Well, I didn't notice it last time, and now I'm going to be picky. If they're in the desert, where the heck is this thing? See, that's a really good question. I don't know. And I don't know if it'd be in a lake or if we're, like, in Southern California like like really far south, where it's like, I, I guess the desert goes all the way to the coast in some parts of California. Um, sure, that's true, I guess. Yeah. But we're definitely not in like the Arizona, New Mexico area I'd normally associate with the Hulk. Right. Maybe this is Lake Havasu. <laughs> it, could, it could be a big lake. Yeah, it could be a big lake. Um, I don't know. I don't have... <sighs> they totally mess up their door 
in this issue, and they just like magically fix it at the end. I'm so glad I got that door fixed. Yeah, Rick Jones fixes it all by himself somehow. Yeah, Which, somehow. Again, again, goes back to me having asked in the first place how they made that door, but no one ever explains any of that, and that's fine. Uh, Hulk has even more reason to hate Rick Jones in this story. Like he has hated Rick Jones seriously from issue one. Yeah, and um, having him lure him onto a rocket is even more reason to hate him. So, do you think Stan's intentions were to keep this set up like this forever? See, I don't know. I feel like they're playing with the idea. They're sort of it's a it's not the Hulk is not a static concept from issue to issue. And with the extra right. blast of radiation here, it's almost like they're extending the origin because he is more powerful after this. Well, I meant more the how he's being controlled by Rick. I right. was wondering if, if maybe Stan's like, boy, I created this monster character, but he's so anti-everything, I can't get him to do anything I want. So if he's controlled by Rick, then Rick can use him as a superhero. Yeah, I, I, I hate to I say know. they don't know what they're doing. I really, really, That's- really don't like people casting that aspersion on creators mm-hmm. just just because we don't know what the creators are doing doesn't mean the creators don't know what they're doing but it does mm-hmm. feel directionless i think we need to get stanley on this show at some point so we could ask him some of these questions but I'll assuming he's still that. alive when this goes on the air <laughs> yeah um so the ringmaster story i've only known this for years because of an editor's note in amazing spider-man 16 where he comes okay. back and it says the ringmaster previously appeared in Hulk magazine number three, now discontinued. So what's funny is we have made fun of the fact that we're getting a lot of alien stories and we're getting a lot of communist stories. Mm-hmm. We've had two legit supervillains. Well, whoa, 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 I forgot about Dr. Doom and Namer. But uh, uh, other than that, we've had the ringmaster and ringmaster light. Ringmaster light? Mystery man. I always forget his oh, name. Oh, the miracle man. You call him, yeah, okay. You were calling Mr. him Miracle. Mr. Miracle. Mr. Miracle. Yeah, but that's not right. That's DC. So it's Miracle Man, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think But he they're does essentially come the same back. thing. <laughs> but as far as actually recurring villains, what have yeah. we had so far? Mole Man? Oh, yeah. We had Mole Man, but he the, is a monster. The Scrolls. Um, but that's an alien. Mole Man's a monster. Doctor uh-huh. Doom and Namor are two. And the Ringmaster is a recurring supervillain. For sure, for sure, and that's so this it. is like Our this is like one. the Hulk's uh, first like major villain, right? Eh. I mean, he's not major, but yeah, we've had nothing before this, right? Because Gargoyle never comes back, right? He died. Well, he died in a comic, so does he ever come back? Or I think he's actually that? dead. Okay, so no Gargoyle, and then invasion of the uh, Toad Men. They come back, but that's just. For comic relief, probably. Actually, exactly right. They come... She-Hulk, right? And She-Hulk number three or two. Yeah, yeah, they come back. Two. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Ringmaster, yeah, he's not amazing, but I do believe he's a regularly occurring Hulk villain. Does, does Hulk have an amazing... Rogue's gallery? <laughs> yeah, I don't no, think he does, I mean, so... Abomination, the leader, and those are all way down the road. Yeah. The Rhino so for a while in Silver and Bronze Age, the Rhino's a recurring Hulk villain. I mean, if you're a super Hulk fan, then the you know the Ringmaster might make your top ten list or something. Oh, you know who gets his start as a Hulk villain, but really, really shouldn't be Boomerang. What? I didn't yeah, know that. Boomerang, who I knew from wow. the Deadly Foes of Spider Man in like 1991, but he started out as a Hulk villain. I actually yeah, really how- like the the Ringmaster part of the story. I say really like. I do enjoy the Ringmaster part of this book. Um, 
I feel like the opening is very Twilight Zoney. It's very eerie with the the, the um, spaced out townsfolk. Um, but you know, it's not that remarkable at the end of the day. Aunt Polly never shows up again. That I, at least that I could find. That was just so random. I wonder, was that just an excuse to get into the circus? I don't know why that was needed at all. But. Yeah, he, well, so he spends a lot of the comic, he needs to go get some sleep. Like, he really wants to go and sleep and have some life away from the Hulk. Uh, yeah. He goes to see Aunt Polly, and that's how he finds out the circus. So, I guess... <laughs> Actually, Aunt Polly doesn't even tell him about the circus. He sees a poster. Yeah, he just goes there for two panels, and then... To wash his face. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I think the Ringmaster is probably okay if it wasn't tainted by everything else I don't like about the story, like the whole rocket business and Rick mind controlling the uh, the Hulk via Fantastic Four cosmic rays. That's just is lame. <laughs> it to is. Me. The whole thing. It it's is. not just a lame story, but it it just cuts the feet out from under the Hulk. Like now he's not even interesting. You know. Um. My memory does sometimes conflate this issue with the Avengers number one because the Hulk is part of a circus and that issue as well. Uh, is that the one where he's dressed as a clown? Yeah. Like okay. Mechano or something. I'm totally with you because I thought by the end of this issue he'd have clown face on and he doesn't. And that second – on the last page, the second row of panels, whenever Bruce Rick Jones says, up Hulk, up, right through the tent – that is the least inspiring flight pose I have ever seen. It's like jumping up backwards. Yeah. So that is the one – we should maybe say that. That's the one thing about this issue that's new or that's got teeth because right in the cover, it's like, look, he can fly now. Um, and he's like jumping over the army and they're shooting at him and stuff. But like they've established in here that the Hulk is really good at jumping. Do they say that he's really good at jumping in this issue? Because I think – they just call it flying. What? You know what? I don't. Maybe I took that for granted. I don't know. Yeah, because where, where does he first jump? Um, is it on? Is it only on the last page? I thought it happened before that, but I'm, I'm looking through I'm, the. Uh, I'm frantically flipping through, and wow, why did I just assume that was jumping? Because I know it's jumping. Okay, so on page eleven, when he first does it, gathering the awesome oh, lad. In one massive arm, the Hulk leaps into the air, but it's a leap the like of which has never before been seen by mortal man, a leap which carries him over the top of the tallest building, a leap propelled by the most powerful muscles of any living thing on Earth, and lands miles away on the outskirts of town. Yeah, so that's why I thought that. Yeah, cool. So they established the Hulk is like Golden Age Superman good at jumping. Exactly. And like Golden Age Superman, can curve his flight path... While he is jumping, yeah, well, because that's he easy. does. Just, he soars around. Your hand out. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's it. Um, yeah. As we leave the Hulk, his mind is still bound up with Rick Jones's own, and I presume they're going to continue spending their nights with the cave prison. And um, Rick's fears of falling asleep will prove groundless, and or he's going to go insane from not being able to get any sleep, one or the other. Yeah, and then they cancel the book. <laughs> we'll find out more about the Hulk next issue. Um, so we are still quite a ways from our hour mark, which means the Fantastic Four number seven is up. Yay. This is this is the last of our July third comics, um, and I'm super excited about this one because I don't have to summarize it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Why does the human race turn against the Fantastic Four? Only the master of Planet X knows the answer. Wanted, dead or alive! Shows a picture of Fantastic Four. There's a crazy mob with burning torches on the cover. Down with the Fantastic Four! And this flying saucer is jetting away. We escaped just in time. We can't remain on Earth any longer. We've got to head for Planet X. And this came out the same month as... Yeah, the same month as the last two we did. Yeah, so Thor, Hulk, and Fantastic Four all came out theoretically the same day, same week. Okay. Um, so Kurgo, the master of Planet X, is a guy with a furry onion for a head. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he, their, their planet's going to die or some shit. So he's like, um, we have no way of saving ourselves. We've never encouraged space travel. Uh now we're stuck. Let's go to this other random planet where the Fantastic Four can save us. So he sends a ship out of the Fantastic Four. Uh, meanwhile, on the planet Earth, where the Fantastic Four are, they are going to a congressional dinner in their honor. Nobody wants to go. Johnny doesn't want to go because he's a kid and it's boring. Thing doesn't want to go because he has to, you know, bind up in a, a costume the whole time. Sue doesn't want to go because she doesn't know what she would say in front of a whole bunch of really important people, even though she was a, you know, rich socialite in the first issue. So Reed's like, okay, I've heard all your complaints. Now get ready. We're going. <laughs> so they go and they, they get met at the dinner. And, um, while they're at the dinner, spaceship lands on earth and the day the earth stood still happens. Yeah. This giant gray robot comes out saying Klaatu Baradicto and sends out a, a, a beam. And you see scenes all around town of people who are friends for a moment get hit by this beam and suddenly they hate each other. Uh, this beam goes and hits the Congress building where they're having their dinner. And in the middle of honoring the Fantastic Four, they decide to start, the guy just starts berating them, seeing how they're a menace to mankind. And not just run the, not just you can't be superheroes. Not just leave your building, you're done. Not just run out of town. Not even please leave the state. They kick the Fantastic Four off the planet. Yeah. Get off Earth. You're done. So <laughs> they go in the ship to uh, Planet X. Um, they find out the plight of the people there. Their planet's going to die and they have nothing to do to save it. So Reed's like, huh, you know what? I'm going to make you tiny. Make all your people tiny. You can take all five billion people and climb into one ship. Super tiny. Here's the antidote. When you get to where you're going, use the antidote on everybody, make them all big again. So they're like, yay! This is exactly what we're going to do. So they get the entire planet's populace mobilized, tiny-eyed, and on the ship. But Kurgo's like, nope. I'm going to take the antidote all to myself. I'll be the only one who's big, and I'm going to rule the world in the other place. But he's so caught up in trying to get the antidote that when the world starts falling apart, he cannot make it to the ship in time, and he dies. Meanwhile, the Fantastic Four have found the other, uh, because there are two giant spaceships. The one that the Fantastic Four came in, and the other one with five billion tiny people in it. So they get in the second ship and fly back to Earth, and Reed's like... Yeah, I just made up some bullshit again this issue, like in other issues. There was no antidote. I just said that because, you know, crazy read, right? I've I've, I've just crazy read. Um, And when they get to their other planet, it's not going to matter because size is relative anyway. 
that's not how science works. It's just a euphem, uh, it's just a truism, but you know, whatever. So that's the end of the issue. <laughs> right. Uh, um, this is the first so, issue of the Fantastic Four that I did not want to read again. Uh, I don't think I've ever read it before, so I didn't see what was coming. Um, so essentially this, this cool is like Jarrell and Krypton. Yeah, right? Except so Jarrell's a jerk. Yeah. Jarrell's a jerk anyway, but yeah. Yeah, that's true. He is, kind of. Um, yeah. So the super advanced race, except for the part where they're xenophobes, so they've only made two spaceships. Right. Which reminds me of Jor-El wanting to make giant space arcs to save all the people of Krypton, but the Science Council wouldn't fund it. That's why I've always liked the uh, Superman animated series solution to that. Um, Let's turn this into a Superman podcast, you know, where like uh, Brainiac is lying and telling everybody there's no problem. So they don't do anything about it because they all trust Brainiac so much. But really, Brainiac just didn't want to spend the resources to save what he thought was a doomed planet. It helps it give Brainiac a reason to be part of the story that has nothing to do with him capturing a bottle ship of Candor. But I, I kind of prefer the agency of Krypton and the people just like being stubborn and making bad decisions. Okay, well, well, that works too. I mean, well, it's kind of it's kind of a parallel to us, right? Because we're being stubborn, making yeah. bad decisions, and totally ru- ruining our own planet. Um, yeah. Well, we're listening to people we shouldn't be listening to. Also, maybe that's, that's Brainiac. True. That's true. Anyway. Um, there's some neat stuff so, at the beginning of this issue that I feel like I was, is another instance of, this isn't the Justice League. I was going to say, this is probably my favorite part, is all of them explaining to Reed why they don't want to go, and it actually showing the panels like in their imagination of what would happen. Mm-hmm. That was all very amusing to me. I liked that part. And, and again, um, we're back with a family that's not trying to kill each other. So we've, we've, we've come into a good rhythm now of how these guys like talk to each other, which I like. And the thing in Torch, for the first time, I think I feel like, do a practical joke that is meant as a practical joke, not as a, I really want to hurt this person. Yeah, yeah, The exactly. logic is completely out the window. He turns the water on so hot that it sets Johnny on fire. That's not you would that think works. You would think turning it cold would make more sense if you were trying to shock a human torch, but mm-hmm. anyway, it's still um, funny. Oh, my next note is on page 14. <laughs> okay. Well, I want to uh, fix your synopsis slightly. It wasn't the people of Earth, or maybe they did say to leave, but really it was the robot who's like, boy, looks like everybody hates you. The only solution is to come with me. Okay, yeah. I thought about that maybe as I was talking. Maybe it was the robot who made them do it. Um, uh, page 12, whenever the robot's holding up the screen display of everybody, and they're like, oh my gosh, look at that portable self-contained TV receiver. I was like, this is an iPad with Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. An iPad is actually more impressive than that thing. But Right. Um, oh, and my note on page 14 is that they're flying along, and, and Ben's like, why did you do it, Reed? You know we could have figured something out to save us back on Earth. Why'd you follow that big hunk of tin? He says, for the same reason that you came with this thing, curiosity. How could we have slept nights if we never learned why we're wanted on a planet? It's too exciting a prospect to pass up. And I'm thinking, I don't think that Ben's mind works the same way yours does, Reed. I think Ben would have been totally chill, staying on Earth, convincing the humans that they're not a menace, and reading some comic books. But I think Mr. Fantastic has a mind that thinks that everybody's mind works like his mind. You are not wrong. 
You are not wrong at all. Like, he's like borderline autistic or something. Like, he just doesn't factor in other people's desires and emotions unless he's unless it's spelled out for him. So, um, this is a really um, cool panel or page. What page is this? 15. I really like that uh, part four where they're all sliding down this uh, hatch, I guess. I don't know what it's supposed to be, but. I think they're just floating through the air next to a building. Yeah, it's kind of a cool shot of whatever Krypton, I guess, whatever this planet is called. Right. Planet um, X. Planet X. X for Krypton. Yeah. Descending um, on I, an invisible beam of anti-gravity matter. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to say, but... Just that Reed saved it all with the pin particle? Oh. Well, before that, I'll have this to say. Nobody does that to the thing. Nobody. Flame on! So look, they're friends now. Yeah, it's like it's like love or something. It's like only I can pick on him. Right. That's a cool kind of friend. That's a cool kind of friendship. Um, yeah, ping particle. So that that just goes back to my point. Obviously, Hank Pym invented unstable molecules, published that paper, Reed read it, ripped it off. Then Hank Pym invented shrinking, published that article, Reed read it, ripped him off. Mm-hmm. We've got a history going on here, folks. Which is why Henry Pym is the scientist supreme and Reed Richards doesn't have a comic book right now. No. Exactly. Actually, I don't even know if Henry Pym has a comic book right now. Is he anywhere? I don't even know where he is in comics these days. Um, <laughs> I know almost nothing about what's going on in modern Marvel. So there's that. I thought he was the Wasp last I heard, but that could have been a year ago. <laughs> yeah, that was like five years ago, right? <laughs> okay. So I'm, not, I'm with you. I don't know what's going on either. Oh, dude. So this is 2018, right? So I'm podcasting with Michael Bailey recently, and he introduces me. He says, John Wilson has been podcasting for the better part of a decade. And I, in my mind, I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> the better part of a de- Yeah, because yep. I started my first podcast in late 2009. It's yep. been a really long time. And yeah. all of my knowledge of like Avengers and stuff is from 2008, 2009. I know uh, we can't we can't like read anything or experience anything and just experience it. I stay on top of the new Superman stuff pretty well. Okay, but you uh, don't want to ever podcast about it. No, really? I podca- uh, yeah, I I kind of I did for a while. Yeah, it takes a lot of energy to podcast about new books. It does. They're harder to read. Well, it's just like staying on top of the news and like it's it's these are just sitting there. They're sitting there. Yeah. They're a, they're a collection that we could just go through and it's there yeah yeah that's true um, we're kind of we're kind of it's kind of like we're covering an old tv show that's been and gone you know mm-hmm. much easier than a new show where you don't know what's going to happen next episode right and there's just a different kind of energy there and i find that it takes more energy to stay on top of new stuff so even though he ripped off hank pym um i do say this this whole bit felt kind of cool because We've talked about how Reed Richards is presumed smart, but what has he done? And here he is solving an entire people's crisis in like the five minutes he has before this this barren planet runs into them and kills them all. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is Reed Richards not not defeating a monster with fists, but you know, solving the drama of the story with his intelligence and invention and coming up with something clever, which will become a trope. But you're right; I think this might be the first time they've really done that. Yeah, this is this is them really saying Reed is intelligent. I think mm-hmm. um, he's still lying his ass off. Uh, yeah, but I think that's intelligence too because he manipulated a guy who, by the way, just out and out says, 
I don't care about my people. I just like being a ruler. Mm-hmm. So I think part of him is like, well, I'm just going to maybe lie to you a little bit to get you to cooperate and get me a ship for my people to get back. And also, yeah, you're right. It's not a uh, it's not how science works. But I did think it was kind of funny. You know, if you're all the same size, what's the difference? And to each other, yeah. But like interacting with your environment. I mean, of course, also, this is a universe where shrinking just doesn't even matter. Right. Um, yeah. But – I mean, for those who don't know, who think that it, you should be fine, real quick, whenever you take a three-dimensional three object, and let's say you cut all of its measurements in half, so it's half as tall, half as long, half as wide, you have reduced the volume, and therefore the mass, to an eighth of what it was. <laughs> right. So the amount of volume being held up by your legs and bones, which are half the size they were, is an eighth of the weight, which is why tiny creatures have such spindly little legs. They need like a few tough bits of fiber to hold up their bodies. And it's also why really, really massive creatures have really fat, big, chunky legs. To hold up their body. So anyways, yeah. that's how size works. I feel like that came out when the Ant-Man movie came out. Did they do like an article about that or something? And I mean they like the actual producers of the film. They might have done, just, but just I, t- for I, fun. I, I, I teach this in geometry class every year. <laughs> oh, they talk about shrinking people in geometry class? No, we talk about, yeah, uh, when you make a shape larger or smaller, how does that affect the area or the volume? Yeah. Um, well, it clearly doesn't work that way here because he also retains his same strength and and yeah i don't know how it works i'm sure they'll explain it someday probably we do have time for one more we have not hit an hour yet are you kidding me uh-uh. you want to knock out strange oh, shells i do except i don't want to summarize it but okay i'll do it because <laughs> either way i have to do it so <laughs> might as well just do it now Yep. So so we're still in this horrible month that is July of 1962. Although now we have moved on to the second week, so we're July 10th. Oh, good. Strange Tales number 101, the first Strange Tales to feature the Human Torch. Um, let's see if I can figure this out. So we open with Johnny, like, testing out his powers. He's racing faster than missiles now. He's all super excited. And he goes to his hometown of Glenville where he reminisces about this is where he and his sister grew up. And like the, now that everybody knows who his sister is, it's a more popular town. But nobody knows who he is. So he still has the secret identity. Mm-hmm. And we can, get into that. we can get into that. But that's part of this. I have to say it out loud because it's uh, crucial to this plot or ingrained in this plot a lot. Where he goes to hang out with his friends. And in the town of Glenville... They are making a amusement park, and the news local newspaper gets one of those like serial killer letters, like where you know they cut out the letters from the magazines and you don't know who wrote it and all that. And it says, "Stop production of this amusement park, or someone's gonna get it, or accidents are gonna happen, or someone's gonna die." Signed, oh, his name is the Destroyer, yeah. Destructor, Destroyer. Okay, sign the Destroyer, and. The newspaper guy goes, yeah, that's a hoax. But sure enough, as Johnny and his friends are there, I think like the tower – oh, the guy is testing out the roller coaster ride as we were talking about earlier. The guy that loses his job because John thinks that's that's not a real job. Um, 
and it starts teetering and stuff and falling. And uh, Johnny makes excuses to duck behind a tree or something. Actually, okay, every single time – I'm just going to say this. Every single time the Human Torch shows up in this issue, there's this whole – rigmarole about how he has to figure out a way to become the human torch without anybody seeing. I'm not going to summarize that anymore because I can't even remember what it was now. But the point is, he makes them all look left and he goes right and he becomes the human torch and he catches the guy and then he goes back as Johnny and is like, "Wow, what I miss? You miss Superman, Clark? Oh, okay." And then uh, they get another letter. Again, they dismiss it. Um, and again, something happens and the torch is there. Uh, like a tower is going to fall over and he uses his power to like melt the metal back together again or something. So it doesn't fall over. And then in the newspaper, the destroyer calls out the torch and says, I want to meet you at so-and-so address so I can beat you up. The thing swings by and says, hey, you shouldn't go there because it's probably a trap. And the human torch says, or Johnny says, you know, I could do this on my own. I'm a big boy. And so the thing walks away. And Johnny goes there, and the Destroyer's not there. It was a trap, and fire extinguisher stuff comes all around him. And just before the Destroyer's about to kill him, Johnny's friends show up because everybody knows about that address because he put it in the newspaper. So the Destroyer takes off before he's witnessed, and Johnny's just like, oh, hey, guys, I was just here too, huh, whatever. And then Johnny decides he needs to figure out what's going on, and he he realizes that the big clue is that every time the destroyer tries to break something in the amusement park, it's something very tall. So he flies up to something very tall and looks around and realizes there's a commie sub hiding in the water near the beach of where this amusement park is being constructed. But you can only see it when you're standing on top of like the roller coaster ride or something. So then he calls the cops or the Navy or something and they all invade the sub and the destroyers in there and he makes short work of them because he's the human torch. Um, the end. I don't even remember what happens after that. I don't think anything. They, they unmask the destroyer and he's old Mr. Higgins. Right. He's the, news, he's the newspaper manager. The newspaper manager again, dismissing the instructions, the warnings. Right. You, even though he was doing it in a panel when it was just him in the room. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Okay. So, a Human Torch series probably sounded good on paper. I mean, he was one of their three main guys in the 40s. He's a teen hero, and teens love to read about teens. Yep. They're probably reaching out to the Superboy audiences and making it a little bit of a younger, more juvenile story. Um, but just goes to show that the best ideas on paper can be terrible if the stories aren't there. <laughs> yeah. Which the reverse well, is also true. Ideas that sound really stupid on paper can be used in really awesome ways. I think right in the beginning they shoot themselves in the foot with this whole secret right in anything. And do you know where this goes? Are you aware of how this plays out? No. Then I'm not going to tell you. Really? Okay. Do you want me to? Okay. Well, okay, how long does it take to get there? Six issues. Oh, well, maybe you don't have to tell me then. In 106, no. the secret identity thing is going to get resolved. But I don't mind telling you because we do all the retcons up front. Yeah, go ahead. Tell me. So everyone in Glenville is pretending because Johnny's oh acting like he has a secret identity. They're like, um, <laughs> sure, Johnny. Yeah. Where is the torch? I don't That's know. worse. <laughs> that makes the human torch a moron. And it's just terrible because like on the first page in that bottom corner panel, editor's note, four of Johnny's schoolmates did know his secret identity because we saw them in the Fantastic Four comics. Right. But they graduated high school last term. Now one of them is in the Army. Two are away at college, and the fourth is working in Chicago. 
they've all been sworn to secrecy. No one else knows. Except and for it's the whole just, town. Yeah. Yeah. The whole town is in on it. And um, where's the one panel? I'm looking for um, the one where it's like, if you read that into it, it's so obvious the kids are just going along. Yeah, page 11, um, after the destroyer in the cabin. Hey, fellas, which way did the torch run? I don't know. We didn't see him leave. Uh, did you see him? Yeah, I spotted him in the woods and followed him to the cabin. I wanted to discover his real identity, but he got away. Oh, <laughs> nuts. Someday, someday we'll find out who he really is. And look at their faces in that panel. Yeah, they're looking they, at him. Yeah, they're just like, yeah, okay, Johnny, someday we'll find out who the torch really is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's redonkulous. It's just weak. I think it's weak on Stanley's part. And, you know, here we were talking about how he's he's taking the secret identity and turning it on its head. And then with Thor, he reintroduces the love triangle that we've all read about before. And now with the torch, it's like he can't stand that the Fantastic Four are public, even though that's so much more interesting than them being, you know, secret superheroes. So we're going to give mm-hmm. the torch his own comic. But because we're giving him his own comic, he has to have the secret identity thing so that we could play around with him having to protect that. And yeah. I I just think it's a bad decision. It just makes him less interesting. It is. It is less interesting. Um, like I said, there's so much of this comic that reminds me of, of the less good Superboy stories from this era that make me feel like they were just trying to reach out to that crowd. Um, and, and what were they doing in Fantastic Four number two? Mystery Man's calling him out in the theater like, ah, the Fantastic Four and a blonde boy that I don't know who he is. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. They're all there. Right. So whatever. Um so we get to see his house in Glenville. Yes. Yes. And from a future perspective, this is just so terrible because it gives us a little diagram of how everything is covered in asbestos. And <laughs> yeah, that must I tweet- be fun to hang out in. Yeah, it's like the narrator comes on and says, Two years later, Johnny Storm was rushed to the hospital after coughing up blood. <laughs> Yes. Uh, and this also, this just doesn't seem like, I mean, they're trying to make him Batman too, I guess, or something like it doesn't seem like a, uh, a youthful pad to me. Well, it he doesn't live I guess. with his sister. So she does live here now. I think so. Oh, okay. So he's not famous, but he's the brother of the invisible girl that everybody knows is the invisible girl. Yes. Okay. You, ha- you, ha- you have summarized it correctly. <laughs> That's So he never stands with the Fantastic Four unless he's got flame on? All right. I, anyway. Yeah. It's, it, uh, which is why they had to undo it. Because, I mean, they had this yeah. idea to bring in the secret identity. And the readers were like, dude, this doesn't work at all. And so they all had right. to undo it in a way that acknowledges that, no, Johnny Storm is, in fact, very public. He's just retarded. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, All right. Enough harping on that. I'm, if it goes away, it goes away. But I'll, I'm definitely interested in reading the letter pages to see how many people don't like it. I have a very small number of notes. Um, mm-hmm. He puts on the red jammies on page two. Reminded me of Jim Hammond, the original Human Torch, who yeah. always wore red. Um, yeah. The Destroyer hates amusement parks. That means he must be the worst. <laughs> okay. Um at first, I wrote "stupid manager," but then I was like, "Oh, well, of course he's playing into his diabolical plan." So, and I thought by himself, fireballs, by himself, yes. 
I thought fireballs were illegal with the comics code, but he uses them on page seven. Um, well, we did say that eventually Torch would start using them, so we don't know if they get approval or if they just go ahead and do it anyway and, and hope for it. the best. Yeah. And if you can make a ball out of fire, it stands to reason that you might possibly maybe be able to make other shapes out of fire, other shapes such as a fake you. I don't think he ever does this in Fantastic Four, but he d- he makes flame copies of himself in Strange Tales all the blessed time. Yeah. Which is, you know, not a horrible. Well, the thing is that what's interesting is um he has no face still. So his Yeah. His like flame uh, doppelgangers could actually work. Eventually, they start drawing him with like glowing eyes and a mouth. Um, but he looks more like Golden Age Human Torch here, where he's just got like flaming lines on his face, but there's no expression. That was one of the ways you could tell Human Torch and Toro apart was because Human Torch looked like a flaming figure, human shaped, whereas Toro looked like a red figure on fire. If that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Does make like, sense. like Toro, make Toro looked more like the Human Torch is going to look. Right. Um, thing shows up, even though, but this is not going to be a team up book with the thing for like two more years. Um, it's, it's totally just a, a a celebrity money grab, essentially. Like everybody loves the thing. Let's put him in this issue for five seconds. And this but is another. Ha- this is another commie bastard story. He has eyes, though. The thing. Yeah. He had eyes a few times, but this is definitely okay. a more humanized thing, face. Is this Kirby? I think it's Kirby with a different anchor. Okay. Um, I will look it up real quick because I do have the pages right here in front of me. Strange Tales 101. Um, the interiors on this are done by um, Jack Kirby with Dick Ayers doing the inks. Ah, so maybe we can thank Ayers for making the thing a little less fugly. Mm-hmm. And Kirby may have done loose pencils on this. You know, it's hard to say. Oh, yeah. The inks are very influenced. It doesn't really look like Kirby art very much. No, no. A lot of places. Um, Um, Yeah, it's a commie bastard story, which is my last note, and that's the end. Yeah. Yeah, I was just pretty soured by the whole thing. Um, There wasn't really anything in here that, like, at least, say, like, the last Fantastic Four we covered, I, I enjoyed the bits where they're hanging out, debating whether to go to the congressional hearing or whatever. At least there was some elements of fun this one just like from right from the beginning i just was annoyed with it and uh it never got better i've read it a few times and knowing where these stories go this one actually felt pretty good oh Um, god (laughs) so when we get to our ratings for this month next episode um i'm not gonna say that i i love strange tales but it's also not my worst pick oh really Um, okay yeah yeah that'd be hulk number three but We'll get there. So uh, I guess that that does bring us to the end of another hour. Got a little wow. bit over, but is that our most books in one episode? That was four books in one episode that time, which See? I was kind of excited to do. See, kids, if we don't like it, we cover more. <laughs> which is good because we'll, we'll burn through the ones we don't like as much and get to yeah. the stuff that's better. That's right. Um, but Marvel does take a little bit of time to kind of get their legs. They've, yeah. they've got this stable of heroes. What are they going to do with them? That's the question. Mm-hmm. Make and, more supervillains, uh, I hope. 
<laughs> but we're going to have some months where it's just like Fantastic Four and Spider-Man does the good ones again. Fantastic Four and Spider-Man does the good ones again. And Strange <laughs> Tales sucks. <laughs> or, or maybe it's Thor. Thor kind of sucks this month, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a bad feeling. Like, I really enjoyed that first issue of Thor, but I feel like it's going to derail quick. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. Um, tell them where they can find us, Mike. MakeOursMarvel.com is your one-stop shop for everything that is us. Well, everything that is us related to the show. Uh, you'll find our Facebook, Google+, and Twitter social media links there. You'll find an RSS feed. You can plug into any MP3 player, or you'll even find an iTunes link if you want to plug into an iPod MP3 player, or iPhone, or iPad, or iWatch, iClock. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. And there's a contact form, or you can call You can call us. You can write in at podcast at makearsmarvel.com. Yeah. So, you know, drop us a line. We are still early in the production schedule, so we don't have any um, emails yet because we have not released any episodes yet. But um, we did just get another Facebook like from Gord Tolton. Who Sweet. I think sent us a, fa- uh, a Twitter like recently, but since we're just sitting here recording two episodes back to back, we don't have any new followers or likers since last time. But um, but thank you, Gordon, for for finding us over here. So until the ringmaster tries to use his hypnotism hat on a blind man, make ours marvel. marvel.